This is section 44 of More Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Californian, November 12, 1864. The Killing of Julius Caesar, Localized. By Mark Twain. Read by John Greenman. Being the only true and reliable account ever published, taken from the Roman Daily Evening Fasces, of the date of that tremendous occurrence nothing in the world affords a newspaper reporter so much satisfaction as gathering up the details of a bloody and mysterious murder and writing them up with aggravated circumstantiality he takes a living delight in this labor of love for such it is to him especially if he knows that all the other papers have gone to press and his will be the only one that will contain the dreadful intelligence a feeling of regret has often come over me that i was not reporting in rome when caesar was killed reporting on an evening paper and the only one in the city and getting at least twelve hours ahead of the morning paper boys with this most magnificent item that ever fell to the lot of the craft other events have happened as startling as this but none that possessed so peculiarly all the characteristics of the favorite item of the present day magnified into grandeur and sublimity by the high rank fame and social and political standing of the actors in it in imagination i have seen myself skirmishing around old rome buttonholing soldiers senators and citizens by turns and transferring all the particulars from them to my notebook and better still arriving at the base of pompey's statue in time to say persuasively to the dying caesar oh come now you ain't so far gone you know but what you could stir yourself up a little and tell a fellow just how this thing happened if you was a mind to couldn't you now do and get the straight of it from his own lips and be envied by the morning paper hounds ah if i had lived in those days i would have written up that item gloatingly and spiced it with a little moralizing here and plenty of blood there and some dark shuddering mystery and praise and pity for some and misrepresentation and abuse for others who did not patronize the paper and gory gashes and notes of warning as to the tendency of the times and extravagant descriptions of the excitement in the senate house and the street and all that sort of thing however as i was not permitted to report caesar's assassination in the regular way it has at least afforded me rare satisfaction to translate the following able account of it from the original latin of the roman daily evening fasces of that date second edition our usually quiet city of rome was thrown into a state of wild excitement yesterday by the occurrence of one of those bloody affrays which sicken the heart and fill the soul with fear while they inspire all thinking men with forebodings for the future of a city where human life is held so cheaply and the gravest laws are so openly set at defiance as the result of that affray it is our painful duty as public journalists 
to record the death of one of our most esteemed citizens a man whose name is known wherever this paper circulates and whose fame it has been our pleasure and our privilege to extend and also to protect from the tongue of slander and falsehood to the best of our poor ability we refer to mr j caesar the emperor-elect the facts of the case as nearly as our reporter could determine them from the conflicting statements of eye-witnesses were about as follows the affair was an election row of course nine-tenths of the ghastly butcheries that disgrace the city nowadays grow out of the bickerings and jealousies and animosities engendered by these accursed elections rome would be the gainer by it if her very constables were elected to serve a century for in our experience we have never even been able to choose a dog-pelter without celebrating the event with a dozen knockdowns and a general cramming of the station-house with drunken vagabonds overnight it is said that when the immense majority for caesar at the polls in the market was declared the other day and the crown was offered to that gentleman even his amazing unselfishness in refusing it three times was not sufficient to save him from the whispered insults of such men as casca of the tenth ward and other hirelings of the disappointed candidate hailing mostly from the eleventh and thirteenth and other outside districts who were overheard speaking ironically and contemptuously of mr caesar's conduct upon that occasion we are further informed that there are many among us who think they are justified in believing that the assassination of julius caesar was a put-up thing a cut-and-dried arrangement hatched by marcus brutus and a lot of his hired roughs and carried out only too faithfully according to the programme whether there be good grounds for this suspicion or not we leave to the people to judge for themselves only asking that they will read the following account of the sad occurrence carefully and dispassionately before they render that judgment the senate was already in session and caesar was coming down the street toward the capitol conversing with some personal friends and followed as usual by a large number of citizens just as he was passing in front of demosthenes and thucydides drug store he was observing casually to a gentleman who our informant thinks is a fortune-teller that the ides of march were come the reply was yes they are come uh, but not gone yet at this moment artemidorus stepped up and passed the time of day and asked caesar to read a schedule or a tract or something of the kind which he had brought for his perusal mr decius brutus also said something about an humble suit which he wanted read artemidorus begged that attention might be paid to his first because it was of personal consequence to caesar the latter replied that what concerned himself should be read last or words to that effect artemidorus begged and beseeched him to read the paper instantly Note mark that it is hinted by william shakespeare who saw the beginning and the end of the unfortunate affray that this schedule was simply a note discovering to caesar that a plot was brewing to take his life end of note however caesar shook him off and refused to read any petition in the street he then entered the capitol and the crowd followed him
about this time the following conversation was overheard and we consider that taken in connection with the events which succeeded it it bears an appalling significance mr papilius lena remarked to george w cassius commonly known as the knobby boy of the third ward a bruiser in the pay of the opposition that he hoped his enterprise today might thrive and when cassius asked what enterprise he only closed his left eye temporarily and said with simulated indifference very well and sauntered toward caesar marcus brutus who is suspected of being the ringleader of the band that killed caesar asked what it was that lena had said cassius told him and added in a low tone i fear our purpose is discovered brutus told his wretched accomplice to keep an eye on lena and a moment after cassius urged that lean and hungry vagrant casca whose reputation here is none of the best to be sudden for he feared prevention he then turned to brutus apparently much excited and asked what should be done and swore that either he or caesar should never turn back he would kill himself first at this time caesar was talking to some of the back-country members about the approaching fall elections and paying little attention to what was going on around him billy trebonius got into conversation with the people's friend and caesar's mark antony and under some pretense or other got him away and brutus decius casca cinna metellus cimber and others of the gang of infamous desperadoes that infest rome at present closed around the doomed caesar then metellus cimber knelt down and begged that his brother might be recalled from banishment but caesar rebuked him for his fawning sneaking conduct and refused to grant his petition immediately at cimber's request first brutus and then cassius begged for the return of the banished plubius but caesar still refused he said he could not be moved that he was as fixed as the north star and proceeded to speak in the most complimentary terms of the firmness of that star and its steady character then he said he was like it and he believed he was the only man in the country that was therefore since he was constant that cimber should be banished he was also constant that he should stay banished and he be damned if he didn't keep him so instantly seizing upon this shallow pretext for a fight casca sprang at caesar and struck him with a dirk caesar grabbing him by the arm with his right hand and launching a blow straight from the shoulder with his left that sent the reptile bleeding to the earth he then backed up against pompey's statue and squared himself to receive his assailants cassius and cimber and cinna rushed upon him with their daggers drawn and the former succeeded in inflicting a wound upon his body but before he could strike again and before either of the others could strike at all caesar stretched the three miscreants at his feet with as many blows of his powerful fist by this time the senate was in an indescribable uproar the throng of citizens in the lobbies had blockaded the doors in their frantic efforts to escape from the building the sergeant-at-arms and his assistants were struggling with the assassins venerable senators had cast aside their encumbering robes and were leaping over benches and flying down the aisles in wild confusion toward the shelter of the committee rooms and a thousand voices were shouting police police in discordant tones that rose above the frightful din like shrieking winds above the roaring of a tempest 
and amid it all great caesar stood with his back against the statue like a lion at bay and fought his assailants weaponless and hand to hand with the defiant bearing and the unwavering courage which he had shown before on many a bloody field billy trebonius and caius legarius struck him with their daggers and fell as their brother conspirators before them had fallen but at last when caesar saw his old friend brutus step forward armed with a murderous knife it is said he seemed utterly overpowered with grief and amazement and dropping his invincible left arm by his side he hid his face in the folds of his mantle and received the treacherous blow without an effort to stay the hand that gave it he only said et tu brute and fell lifeless on the marble pavement we learn that the coat deceased had on when he was killed was the same he wore in his tent on the afternoon of the day he overcame the nervi and that when it was removed from the corpse it was found to be cut and gashed in no less than seven different places there was nothing in the pockets it will be exhibited at the coroner's inquest and will be damning proof of the fact of the killing these latter facts may be relied on as we get them from mark antony whose position enables him to learn every item of news connected with the one subject of absorbing interest of to-day later while the coroner was summoning a jury mark antony and other friends of the late caesar got hold of the body and lugged it off to the forum and at last accounts antony and brutus were making speeches over it and raising such a row among the people that as we go to press the chief of police is satisfied there is going to be a riot and is taking measures accordingly end of the californian november twelfth eighteen sixty four read by john greenman